Welcome back to episode 19 of the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. We return uh, after a kind of small hiatus due to our work and being busy, but we're back with a special guest, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Man introduces me as a special guest every week. Jeez. You're a bit special, isn't it? That's why. So uh, every week you you're our special thank guest. You, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll try to look over that obvious slight. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess uh, this week... We'll talk about, uh, there's a few news news points, but I guess, how was your week in general? You know, I, I never check up on you like that. It was all right, to be honest. It was all right. It was a busy week. Um, you know, obviously I work in research, so uh, things are picking up slowly as mm. we're moving into the end of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> inshallah. I love, I love saying that word, but um, yeah, we're moving towards the end of the coronavirus pandemic. Things are picking up again. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's looking good. June 21st, hopefully Mm -hmm. we can get our lives back and, you know, freedom, I guess. I'm very, very tired of it. I just want to be free. And even if that means I have to work harder at work because things are picking up, as I said, so be it. I mean, I just want, I just want to go back to what the way things were. Do you think like you'll get back socially to the way things were? Or do you think you'll just, you'll just accept that you're just a slob? Never, man, never. Because like, imagine, um, football matches and concerts and all of this, do you think people are going to really feel the same, like being right next to one another after the, mm. I think this really exposes just how dirty everything is. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that the tube and everything, they, they're like, oh, we're cleaning it now daily. And I'm like, wait, you weren't cleaning it daily before? Yeah, you know that's what actually I mean? mad. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> a part of me says, bro, I might just continue wearing a mask for the sake of wearing a mask. Like, because mm. really, people are just very, very dirty and gross. So, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, you, reali- you realize it's true, you know, because, like, yeah, they'll announce that, you know, daily we're cleaning the gyms. And I thought this was done anyway. It's like, what do you mean, daily you're cleaning the gyms? <laughs> and yeah, stuff and like that. Like, we're going to gym together now and like the amount of the amount of people who are you know taking extra precaution to wipe everything down and you're thinking so what you weren't wiping everything down before <laughs> what like, were we touching bro yeah what were we touching that guy's coming in scratching their ass and then picking up the dumbbells and then the next guy just goes and picks it up straight away as well no one's wiping down their their benches Mm-hmm. So obviously I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was, but it might not go back to the way it was in a good way. As in people might be a bit more conscious of their like cleanliness and stuff. So Yeah, no, I think so as well. well what Hopefully. about you? How, how, was, how was your week? Uh, it's, it's not bad. Uh, so I, I guess, yeah, just for the gym nerds, if you follow me on TikTok, I've hit my 100 kilo squat PR, <laughs> which is funny. And uh, for the first time, a kid actually came up to me and asked me for advice, which made me, you know, really inflated my ego, to be honest. So I'm, I'm happy oh, God, with that. That, that was it, it's Steve's <laughs> ego who barely fit in the car on the way home, honestly. You just... Bro, you should have seen my smile. I was like, yes, I'm recognized now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. When, when, when you've done the 100, uh, I was like, yeah, okay. This, this is, this is going to get long now because this guy, he's just going to, you know, the <laughs> ego is going to go through the roof. You know but, what I mean, um, man? Yeah, you know what? That being said, if you're talking about if you're talking about your your gym thing, then maybe I'll just look, put a little, little shout out here. You guys might mm-hmm. or might not know I got a little uh, drawing account. Um yeah. where I put like a piece of my art. It's called the EDR Draws. And uh yeah, I'm starting a little little comic book, a graphic novel. Uh I've only got the first page so far. I don't really know what direction I want to take it, but you know, you can check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but now I mean it's been it's been an okay week for us both. I guess it's been quite busy. Uh, that's yeah. why we missed the last week's episode. 
Um, but yeah, we're going to try and stay consistent again and and do weekly episodes. And as lo- as well as this episode, you will also get our Patreon episode at the end of this as well. So if you want to jump over to the Patreon, you know our URL is the VR VR Pod. So um, yeah, all right. Uh, well, Steve, let's get right into. It, I think. Um, yeah, what on, do you want to talk about in terms of the news this week? I, I think the biggest thing is obviously the Dominic Cummings uh, seven most explosive claims, as as said on the BBC right now. Uh, do you want to talk about that first, maybe? Or yeah, yeah, I think we should get into that first. I mean, I'm not too well versed with it. Maybe you can give a little bit of background. I mean, honestly, neither am I because it just seems like a very catty situation where it's mm. like, you know, everything we know to be true has been confirmed to be true by Cummings and. He's kind of been like, well, if I'm going down, I'm taking you down with me. Um, but anyway, I, I'll read this. I'll just give you the, again, this is on the you know BBC News Channel uh, website. And it says, here's the seven most explosive claims that Dominic Cummings made. Uh, so the first one is, uh, the government failed. Tens of thousands of people died who didn't need to die, Mr. Cummings said. Earlier, he said, sorry for ministers, officials and advisors like me for failing disastrously sure of the standard that the public has a right to expect. When the public needed us the most, the government failed, he added, apologizing to the families who had who died unnecessarily, the family of the families of those who died unnecessarily. Mr. Cummings said the government was not a uh, was not on a war footing when the virus emerged in January and February last year, and lots of key people were literally skiing. As a what do you think about that? Bro, it's I I don't know, man, because you know when they start doing this and backstabbing, I feel like it's it's not really for the good. I feel like he's doing it for his own personal gain, if that makes sense. Bro, absolutely. And like, first mm. of all, we know that the government was enough. <laughs> like, what you think? Yeah, it's no surprise. Plus, people die, and you, we think everyone thinks that the government was actually doing the right thing. We know they were taking an absolute piss, and there was no real idea in place or plan in place. But you know, the fact that he's come out and said it, I guess, I guess in a way, is good just because you know the people who. Well, regardless of what happens by the administration in charge, they will defend them and say, no, no, they tried their best, blah, blah. Mm. Maybe those people will be able to just be like, you know what? Okay, fair enough. But even then, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know, but whatever. Okay, so PM not fit for office. That's the second claim you made. Mr. Cummings made this. (laughs) Exactly, that's not news. Mr. Cummings made a a series of allegations against his former boss, Boris Johnson, including... Uh, he dismissed the emerging coronavirus as the new swine flu and just the scare story and pledged to be injected live on TV with the virus so everyone realizes it's nothing to be afraid of. He was a thousand times too obsessed with the media and appeared to be persuaded by the Daily Telegraph's views of events of any given day. He would rather see bodies pile up high uh, than order a third lockdown in autumn of 2020, seeming to confirm the, a BBC report and contradict the Prime Minister's denials. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That, that was a bit mad, but we, we, we know he's not competent. I mean, it's not just from this. It was even prior to, to COVID, to be honest. So it's, it's nothing new. And well, he's kind Bor- of- Boris is, I will respect this about him. He fails upwards. He's been incompetent his whole career. Yeah, he but stumbles yeah. <laughs> up the stairs. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he ends up at the top. Do you know what I mean, like, I don't know, man, but it's, it's interesting that he's come out to to slag him off. I think there's there's like a, let's say, a, within the Conservative Party, a political change, if that makes sense. I think there's going to be a little bit of a shift, but... Should I, should I tell you what my, my thoughts are? I think, I think, now that the, you know, 
pandemic is done, Tory's got a massive lead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think what's happening is there's going to be a little coup inside the Tory party. And I got my eye on um, Rishi Sunak. I think Rishi Sunak is going to run for prime minister and I think mm. he's going to win. Um, yeah. You know, I, the way I see things going, I think, you know, I don't think a great many people like Boris in the Conservative Party. He said something that's touched someone in some way in the past 20 years, and I'm sure they all ho- are holding their grudges. So I, I don't know. I don't know how much longer Boris will be prime minister. And, you know, I don't mm. say that because he's got good opposition and the opposition might win. No, but no, I think within, I think the b- biggest opposition to, you know, Boris at the moment is from within his own party and within exactly. his own circle. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I have a feeling that we're, we're looking at a Rishi Sunak prime I, ministerial yeah. debut soon. I, I agree, actually. And I, I think... I think is an opportunity now that COVID's over to kind of uh, you know wipe away all of the failures they've had with Boris. You know they can blame it on Boris, be like, look, that was the Boris era. COVID's over. We're going to start again. New face, new case. <laughs> you know, no face, yeah. no case. You know what I mean? Like, just everything's wiped away, and kind of the blame is gone from the Conservative Party and more put onto Boris himself. This is what I think is happening. Uh, it's kind of like what happened in World War Two. You know, the war was over, then Churchill got kicked out. It's mm. that kind of feeling, you know, oh, yeah, that was his fault. Or... They, they are making a lot of comparisons of like Boris and Churchill and Thatcher and saying, oh, the great conservative leaders. And I'm just looking at those three and going, really? Mm-hmm. And like, like, my God, <laughs> those three? <laughs> well, anyway, uh, let's see how it plans out. Um, so the third thing he said was Hancock should have been fired. Again, Surprise, surprise. Wow. We've been, I've been the calling insight. for this guy to be arrested for oh, years. This guy's like, got he's... vision like Iniesta. <laughs> yeah, honestly, can't believe it. Wow. Who would have thought that you had Matt Hancock, who's been giving out contracts with public money to his own sister, uh, should, you know, should have been fired. Oh, heavens. He should be arrested. Forget about being fired. But anyway, he says, um, Mr. Hancock should have been fired for at least 15 to 20 things, Mr. Cummings said, as he alleged the health secretary displayed criminal disgraceful behavior as he held back coronavirus tests and meddled in efforts to build a mass testing system in order to meet a stupid pledge, stupid in quotation marks, of 100,000 tests per day in April 2020. He lied during meetings held in Downing Street cabinet room, including about testing people. Uh, They were discharged from hospital into care homes during the first wave. Used the UK's uh, chief scientific advisor, Sir Patrick Valance, and chief medical advisor, Chris Whitty, as a shield for government failings at Downing Street news conferences. Mr. Cummings and the UK and the UK's then most senior civil servant, Mark uh, Sedwill, recommended to the Prime Minister that Mr. Hancock be sacked in April 2020. The Prime Minister did not sack Mr. Hancock because some felt he would be a convenient fool guy during any future public inquiry. Hmm. Uh, obviously, a, a, a spokesman from Mr. Hancock uh, later said, um, we absolutely reject Mr. Cummings' claims about the health secretary. Uh, Mr. Hancock hmm. added he had not been, he had not seen Mr. Cummings' evidence to MPs in full. And instead, I've been dealing with getting the vaccination rollout going, especially to over 30s and saving lives. Hmm. Well, that's hard. The cheek of that guy, honestly. Oh, I'm saving lives. Are you? Are you really? You're the one saving lives. It's not the fucking NHS workers that are going around risking their lives. 
the doctors yeah. that so some of which have passed away during this period they're not the ones who are saving lives you who has failed you know catastrophically at every turn you're the one that's saving lives <laughs> Matt Hancock I've said this 50 times on this podcast already he needs to be arrested I can't I don't, I don't know what else you need arrest him enough enough officer they're talking about, oh, they're talking about oh he should get fired fired is the least of his troubles he needs to be arrested and I- taken to court I don't know how they're able to just give contracts to friends and family members. For me, You're that, that blows my mind. Code. He's been found to have broken ministerial code. Like, it's it's not legal. He should be in prison. I don't yeah. understand. That is crazy to me. That is actually absolutely mad. Even like the NHS app thing, that really doesn't work. Bro, we spent 37 billion on that. The same summer we said kids can't be fed. Bro, it was given to his friends as well. Like, it was the same kind of contractual... Situation. Yeah, like, you know I mean? oh, my my uncle's cousin's brother, you know, like one of them uh, Turkish politician things that they're doing over here. It's strange. It's strange. I really don't know. Uh, but don't what know. do you think about that? That line was interesting to me. He said that the prime minister did not sack Mr. Hancock because some felt he would be a convenient fool guy during any public inquiry. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, politics, man, they set themselves yeah. up. So when things happen, you know, the dominoes will, <laughs> will topple. And I, I wouldn't be surprised with that. And you know, in some sense as well, uh, Boris has played himself into that position too. Um, he's going to be the domino as, in the end that goes down for the Conservative Party because at the end of the day, he represents the Conservative Party, right? So although he's at the top, the party needs to take responsibility. But of course they will, you know, as they're doing now, it's going to be Boris at, whose head come, comes off and they'll just continue the, the cycle. Um but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was left there just as the fall guy. I mean, it's it's politics, isn't it? But um, I don't know, man. I, I've, I'm kind of fed up with politics at this point. People <laughs> I mean, die, reading you know through I mean? these like, seven points is really is draining my life force at the moment. But like know, we talk about it, but like in reality, people actually died. Do you know what I mean? Like, bro, this is yeah, this is like you know, this these guys are playing uh, you know a weird kind of. A, a Downton, Downton Abbey-esque game or whatever you want to call it. Like for them, it seems like it's just a game, a, po- a politics game. But as I said, 100,000 people plus have died in this country alone, let alone the world. And it's people like this. That I'm just like, really? You know, you, this is a game to you? You you, you, yeah. you want to basically stab each other in the back and see who can get the most power and stuff like that. But it's, you know, people's family members have, have died and, Coming saying, oh, I'm sorry to those who... Really? Sorry? That's what you think Mm. will make this better? That's so stupid, isn't it? I mean, post this, something has to happen. But again, with the kind of the current opposition that we have in the country, I just... Impossible. They're not going to win in the next... No one's going to be held accountable for any of the stuff that's happened. But Yeah. I mean, do I carry on? I kind of don't want to, but fuck yeah, I will. Um, So the fourth thing, he said that it was obvious in retrospect that the UK have, should have been locked down in the first week of March, which on this podcast, we said they need to lock it down. And, you know, what, there were two engineers and one, you know, clinical researcher person here. And we said this on the first week. So how on earth they didn't come to that conclusion? I don't know when they're supposed to be like, you know, highly educated, etc. Exactly. Um, so he said, I bitterly regret that I didn't hit the emergency panic earlier than I did. Um on the 14th of March, Boris Johnson had been told that mod, uh, the models showing the peak of infection was weeks and weeks and weeks away in June, which were completely wrong. Mr. Cummings said that the meeting came after the then Deputy Cabinet Secretary, Helen McNamara, relayed concerns that there was no plan. We're in huge trouble. 
he said that the PM was warned the NHS is going to be smashed in weeks. Really, we've got days to act. Mr. Johnson announced the national lockdown nine days later on the evening of the 23rd of March. Mm. Uh, that is what it is. We know, we know all of that happened anyway. I don't think that's news to anyone. Uh, bombs, quarantine, and Dillian. Okay, let me see what this is. Mr. Cummings painted a vivid picture of the chaotic atmosphere in Downing Street on one crazy day in March 2020, when the government was considering a national lockdown at the same time as officials considered a bombing campaign in Iraq. One morning, he claimed the national secretary, secretary people came in and said, US President Donald Trump uh, wants us to join a bombing campaign in the Middle East tonight. And this totally derailed meetings about the quarantine and coronavirus. At the same time, he said, the prime minister's girlfriend was going completely crackers over a story in the Times newspaper with the headline, Downing Street Dog to be reshuffled. The article reported a Whitehall source as saying that they were not Carrie Simmons' dog, Dylan Wood, huh? as they were not sure Carrie Simmons' dog, Dylan, would make, make <laughs> it through the next reshuffle due to the mess he had created in her and Mr. Johnson's number 11 flat. Mr. Cummings mm. said, so we have this sort of completely insane situation in which part of the building was saying, are we going to bomb Iraq? Part of the building was arguing about whether or not we're going to do a quarantine or not to quarantine. The prime minister has his girlfriend going crackers over something completely trivial. Wow. Jesus Christ. That was, it, that was, that hurt my brain to read. But yeah, what do you think, Steve? I don't know, man. This is, uh, this is like the epitome of uh, how I feel about politics. It's like, why get your priorities right, number one. Number two, why is there like this other third thing that's getting involved? And oh my God, it's like, be professional. I feel like sometimes they're just not professional. Do you know what I mean? Like they just, they, they mix their like personal lives with like real life, like work life. And then on top of that, why are they thinking about, you know, during the pandemic, thinking about like engaging in foreign affairs where... Yeah, you know, yeah think about it. Think about it like this here. Look at how brazenly and how like eh, whatever he can say oh we were thinking about bombing iraq like it's become such a norm oh yeah we'll just go bomb iraq yeah. that they can just you know it's like say it yeah. and the fact that boris johnson and his missus are more worried about a flipping dog story it just goes to show how like as you said how you know, it, yeah. they just care about themselves more than anyone else and i've got my god how many times are you gonna bomb iraq yeah like for fuck's sake like the UK still just just get your nose you know, out of that those regions. Yeah, we we've said this again and again and again. We said it in the last episode, your your bombing campaigns are not helping anything anyway. But it's like it just goes to show that prioritizing things is just. But you know what? You don't know me. how to prioritize. You know what kills yeah. me? So these things will keep happening, and then once in a like every ten years, some maniac will come and feel like our revenge. He wants to kill citizens in the UK, and then we're shocked. I'm not saying it's it's not right, obviously, but it's like, why are we shocked? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It makes no sense. Look, we were there. We've been there. We've had like troops, actual people, uh, British troops on the ground. Do you know what I mean? We've been bombing the them. Troops that have lost their lives for no reason. Yeah, for no we reason. We saw that in 2003 exactly. with the Iraq war. Yeah, even and, Afghanistan uh, war. Like, we, yeah. for no reason, lost their lives. You know, but of course, on the other side, we've killed god knows millions, how many millions of and you don't you don't think some some person with some hate in his heart is not going to come back and you know when it happens it's like oh my god such a see the thing is sure it. trump can ask that but the british officials should immediately say look we've pulled out of iraq we we are in the middle of what seems to be an upcoming pandemic yeah 
you know, if there was, if this was a government with a plan, they would have said, right now, we are not interested in helping America bomb Iraq. We we can't deal with that at the moment. Right now, we have a pandemic, and we need to sort sort this situation out, whether we're going to do a lockdown or not. Man, the I mean, the priorities whatever. are crazy, man. The fact that as you even like think they think about it, like, hmm, yeah, possibly. It's like what people are like. People are dying here. Do you know what I mean? Like, forget about there. You just want to cause more death instead of like solving the problems here. I don't know, man. It, it baffles me. It's just and like you said, they make it seem like, oh yeah, it's just an action. You know, it's a press of a button and human. The human cost is like nothing. It's like ah, oh, you just bomb Iraq. You know, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's for me. It makes me think they're just serial killers, but like in very high positions and with higher wages, <laughs> and they're allowed to get away with it. Because like it's it's like no thinking or no like I don't know man it's just kind of makes me sick and I, I I think like I end up voting for these like psychopaths <laughs> it's crazy I don't know puts me off voting to be yeah honest. and we 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 you know obviously we talk about the Tory party a lot and how they fail because they're the party in charge right. And I think this is the part that people don't tend to do. They tend to keep talking about Corbyn and Labour and all of this. But it's, at the end of the day, it's the Tory party that's in charge. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel the same way about the Tory party and everybody else associated with it. You know, people in, in politics tend to be, as you said, almost like serial killery in, in, their, in their kind of lack of empathy towards regular mm. people. And it does really put me off voting. And this has only just made it even worse, like this whole Dominic Cummings thing. I'm like, really? You know what I mean? It's yeah, just even yeah, worse. Much, yeah. But anyway, uh, six, the the sixth thing, chicken pox parties. Mr. Cummings said that as, as late as March 12th last year, the UK's top civil servant championed a plan of rapid herd immunity involving chicken pox parties for the virus. Then Cabinet Secretary Sir Mark Sidwell, uh, Sedwell is alleged to have suggested to Mr. Johnson, uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Prime Minister, you should go on TV tomorrow and explain the herd immunity plan, and that is likely the old chickenpox parties. We uh, we need to get people. Huh? We need people to get this disease because that's how we get herd immunity by September. But well, Mr. Cummings said that he told him not to use the analogy, which was not right, as according to the data expert Ben Warner, COVID was spreading exponentially and killing hundreds of thousands of people. So first things first, they did have a herd immunity plan. We said this yeah. again, like back. I mean, our first episode was on the coronavirus, and we said it there as well. We were like, this mm. this government wants to do herd immunity. That's their plan. They're just trying to get as many people as they can to catch it. Then they realized they made a mistake and tried to backtrack on it. And this whole chickenpox parties thing just goes to show how much they have just disregarded any kind of scientific input, especially in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, they just they just did their own thing, man. Uh, it makes me sick, to be honest, when I hear like finally all of our fears and you know our thoughts have been confirmed. It's like, come on, man! But like, you totally ignore the scientific community. There's a you know new mean? disease that's come out three months prior. So the first time the COVID was even registered with the World Health Organization was, I think, December thirtieth of twenty nineteen. Um, or, yeah, twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen. No, 2019, yeah. 1919, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it's like three months prior, there's a new disease. You're telling me you are genuinely considering telling members of the public, yeah, go and spread it around amongst yourselves. When there's literally no data on the fucking disease, you don't know what it does. You don't know what the long-term implications are. You don't know what the mortality rate is going to be in the UK. You don't know how it's going to affect the NHS. You've not listened to a single person. You've not had any input. 
and you're saying, oh, let's just tell them to go have chicken pox pies. Really? They just want it. You know what they wanted? They didn't want it to become a thing. Like They're always thinking the best case scenario. And the best case scenario is that it's not harmful. Everyone gets it and it's fine. But like what you want and what the reality is, is obviously two different things. And they refuse to acknowledge the reality, especially once it started showing. And bear in mind, we were ahead. Uh, we, we, we were behind. You know, we could see what was happening in Europe. Yet the, that kind of thinking and talk was still going on like, no, no, that's just France. Don't worry, we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, you went to Italy, we saw what happened there, it happened in Spain, and we were actively allowing people from these countries to come into the UK. Uh, despite, again, I remember, like, no one can say that, oh, he didn't know, because at the time, everyone was saying, please, just lock down the borders, don't let people come in, because we know there's this disease. Oh, well, man. It, like, you know. I don't know. What I don't want to say, oh, well, yeah. and dismiss it, because obviously, like we said, many people have died, but it's like, what, what can we do at this point? Like... Anyway, what's yeah. happened has happened we've asked many, many times for these people to be held accountable but they just won't be we know they won't be this is a, like we've, yeah, we've become one of those either. countries where there is no accountability for your actions mm. uh, anyway mean, last point and i'm tired on. of this topic anyway yeah, yeah, i can switch up uh, so the pm ignored second lockdown advice asked about more recent decisions over a second lockdown in autumn of 2020 Mr. Cummings alleged that Mr. Johnson rejected a recommendation last September for a short stay at home order in England. He was ignoring the advice he added, saying the Prime Minister believed he had more he had been pushed into imposing the first one and that the economic harm done by lockdown would be worse than COVID itself. He added all credible serious people, in my opinion, were saying essentially the same thing. So I was very, very clear with him about it. He wasn't taking any advice. He was just making his own decisions. He was going to ignore the advice Cabinet wasn't involved or asked. I've been very critical of Matt Hancock, but I think Hancock agreed with me actually in September about acting then. So yeah, more of the same. Uh, Bro, I want to scream. Yeah, I want to scream. Like I'm done. It's too much, man. It's just you know when you hear it over and over again, and it just being like admitted, 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 and it's exactly what you knew before, and they were denying it before, and then now it's like, oh yeah, no, actually it was you were right. Like we were doing this. It's like, oh, are we playing with children here? Do you know what I mean? Like, grow up, bro. Like, like do your job. <laughs> That's all I ask for is do your job. Stop looking for, like, extra money. Stop stop looking to make money through family. Stop, stop. Oh, just, just do your job. You're public servant. Do you know what I mean? Make the right decisions. Uh, I don't know, man. It's It seems simple, but for some reason, these guys... And it's, it's on both sides. It's, I'm, not, I'm not just taking the mic out of the conservatives. The... the the Labour Party are the same. They're not. They're just not in power, Aaron. I guarantee yeah, you. They no, this is what I'm saying. Same. Yeah, it's the same. It's the it's the different sides of the same coin, right? Yeah, it's it's the exact same. There's no there's no need to. I just yeah. asked, do your job. But anyway, I think we should switch it up. So uh, just something on a bit bit uh bit happier. I guess people are looking forward to you know festivals and you know arenas opening up and for the summer etc. But there's an article I read so. The title is Festival Faces Another Lost Summer. Oh, oh. so <laughs> you guys will probably be scared now if you had anything booked. But um, a report into the sector's future said the government should provide a safety net for live events to take place after the 21st of June, since they expect them to be basically axed. Uh, several major festivals have been axed for the second year running, and the government said it was continuing to work flat out to support festivals, blah, blah, blah. So Glastonbury and BST Hyde Park will not take place this year. And they, they are huge. 
and they usually provide a lot of jobs. Bro, Afro Nation got postponed again. Really? My God. People people who paid for the last year's one are still waiting to go. <laughs> it's been cancelled this year as well. So I, um, I, I don't know, man. But the thing is, Aaron, would you go? I wouldn't go, man. Bro, but, like I said, I wouldn't go anyway because, you know, being within touching distance of people, I just don't think like anyone's going to be that comfortable. But at the same time, I understand the frustrations of people, man. Let's just, let's, if you just want to go out again, they want to go back to their normal lives. I think everyone's vaccinated. Mm. I think they should just make, they should allow it and say, look, we, we've, we're going to allow it because they've done like a, a trial one in Liverpool. Uh, do you remember that one where it was like a government sanctioned trial, like yeah, rave yeah. or whatever? Because yeah. they wanted to see what the effects would be. And they didn't find any um, links to that and an increase in COVID. So, COVID rates. Um, so, but I then, think they but, should allow it. But Let then again, want to go go. Then, then again, when it was the FA Cup final, after the FA Cup final, a uh, hell of people caught COVID. Mm. Like I think it was around like thirty percent, or maybe less than thirty percent. But like it was a significant amount of people came out with COVID, and it was like, okay, what do we yeah. do then? I mean, I don't know. I think a socially distanced uh, rave might not really even be fun anyway, but. I don't know. I I, I do. I I honestly feel for that sector, people who work there, just regular people who want to go out and enjoy their lives again. Like I said, Mm. I'm literally dying to go back to the way things were and having that kind of freedom. But uh, it it is a difficult situation. I think a lot needs to be taken into account. Let's see, man. What do you think the key of it will be? Do you think the vaccines are going to be key? Yeah, I think the vaccines are key, man. I think that's that's going to be. Because the thing is, they've shown this is the thing, it doesn't matter if you get COVID. Okay, what matters mm. is how severely you get COVID and how many um hospital visits are exactly. required because of it. Because at the end of the day, if the NHS is able to cope with it, um, and people aren't actually having severe COVID, it's not it a problem fine, if yeah. you've got it's it. It's like a cold, yeah, it's like a cold. If you've if you've had if you've had your vaccine and you've got your immune uh, response developed and you know, even if you get COVID, you'll be fine anyway. So I think I think it's just a case of having more data, and I'm sure the data will be produced by by June 21st or maybe the time bit after that, and we'll have enough knowledge at hand to be able to say, okay, mm. we can proceed and we can't. But here's my thing: if if the vaccine isn't going to work because there's so many variants, then when does it end? That's the thing. That's that's what I've always yeah, that's, been wondering. That's something like. that I don't want to think about at the but moment. But all because... the variants dangerous like no i mean i think what we've seen so far is for example the indian variant um it's it's more transmissible but it's not necessarily worse right right so like the actual the actual symptoms and how it affects the body and everything is the same but it's just more transmissible right but again we don't know enough about the actual variants as well like this is the thing is happening in real time isn't it it's it's um i can't i'm a bit confused because my understanding is that covid or the a coronavirus has always existed yeah there was yeah. A... we've talked about this before mm. yeah on our, so the... on our, go listen to our first episode guys by the way the pilot and we've talked exactly. about everything yeah. about this but yeah karen my my thought is that it was a specific strain that was dangerous but can't we just go back to like the times where or was it please uh, uh not pleasable but feasible for for it to go back to the times where there's covid again but none of them are dangerous so we shouldn't really worry well, I mean, it's um, we, we, again, we talked about this in the first. COVID strain, we, do you know what I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the first episode. Like, so uh, we had uh, I can't remember what it was called. Was it called MRSA? But th- there was like another outbreak of a COVID line of virus around ten, fifteen years ago, 
um, SARS, I believe it was. And uh, back then they just shut everything down immediately. And it wasn't as global a world. And yeah, yeah it, did, it didn't transmit as much. And so they just moved on. And it was just like, yeah, they keep a, they keep a track of it. So they're like, oh, if you've gone to these regions and you've had these symptoms, you know, please immediately go to the hospital where you'll be isolated and blah, blah. Like that still is in place. So it could be the same type of situation with COVID, but we just, we just, we have to wait and see, I guess. It is a frustrating thing, but it is what it is. Uh, my suggestion would be everyone try to, you know, impose social distancing where you can, you know, wash your hands frequently, wear a mask when you're going into a crowded area. But, you know, I understand that people have been in their homes for a long time and it's affecting a lot of people's mental health as well. So, yeah. you know, you can't tell people just stay in forever. You know what I mean? And right now it really does feel like forever. So, you know, I think it is time that we slowly started to ease things. And we have, we have. So let's just see, hopefully June 21st, we can, we can move into a better, better situation. A better world. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. I guess we can jump off from that and move on to more global news. So there was a coup in Mali. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but um, Mali names coup leader Kol Asimi as the transitional president uh, they got rid of the previous guy um he declared himself president on wednesday two days after seizing power in mali and also he also led the first coup last august so it wasn't the first time that which saw the president-elect ibrahim uh, Boubacar forced out of office um on monday the two men tasked with steering the country back to civ- civilian rule interim president uh, ba Nadal and President Minister Mokhtar Ouani were detained by soldiers. Wow. Um, so the Goita, uh, that's the, the guy who took over, said that both men had failed in their duties and were seeking to sabotage the country's transition. You know, Mali's an interesting one because I know that... You, you know what's curious to me about this situation is that I know that there's French soldiers on, on the ground in Mali. They, they actively operate in Mali. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, a whole coup, can you imagine a whole coup can occur while there are French soldiers just chilling in Mali is very fishy to me. Very, very fishy. I mean, <laughs> if you look at the history of Africa and its leaders and uh, the coups and so on, yeah, of course, it's very worrying. It's, it's very, very worrying. And, um, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. The future of Africa is something that always concerns me as well, because I just think I'm seeing leaders like, for example, the leader of Ghana recently um, kind of just told uh, Switzerland, well, you can't buy cocoa off us and then yeah. sell, sell us back chocolate. Right. So uh, I know it sounds weird when I put it that way. Obviously, it's a more complex situation. But in essence, what I gather from from it is that a lot of the cocoa that is used in Swiss chocolate is imported from Ghana. Yeah. But, but, but then when, when Ghana wants to buy the, buy chocolate from let's say Switzerland, uh, it comes at extortionate prices or something around that. So it's like, it's not an equal exchange, right? It's not even that. It's not even an exchange is the fact that, you know, imagine like I am a country, I don't have the natural resource. I take the natural resource for pennies then I add value and I sell it for insane amounts. That's that's the equivalence. And Ghana's saying, you know what? No more. We're going to keep the natural resource. We're going to add the value to the natural resource and we will sell it for insane amounts. See, you this, can is, go this look is, for scares me though. Yeah. This scares me though because yes. we've seen yeah. many times in the past where 
African leaders have, you know, said stuff like that, done stuff like that, where they've said, well, no, we're not going to take your bullshit. And then mysteriously, there's been a coup. Mysteriously, they've been betrayed by some mysteriously when they went down to visit army barracks, they've been shot. Um, These things have happened. Thomas Sankara, Christopher Malumbu, you know, it's, 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 it's scary. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, scary. it's very scary. And like another example, the world is complicit in it. The world is not just the nations that we're talking about. I'm talking the IMF is complicit in, in this whole kind of manipulation. And one example was in Kenya. Uh, recently, they they wanted to, but basically they sell raw aluminium, right? They say raw aluminium, and it gets processed mainly in Australia. Um, and what they wanted to do is to instead of you know selling raw aluminium for really cheap having australia process it and sell it for a a lot they wanted to do a similar thing where they said you know what let's create our own processing plants in kenya and process the aluminium here and sell it for the higher you know let let us reap the rewards and they asked the imf for a loan to um to basically start the project and the imf rejected it on the grounds of it will destabilize the current economy now, of course, it will destabilize. <laughs> Do you know I mean? Of course, Australia and the nations that are winning won't win anymore. But but to reject that under those pretexts, for me, it's just modern day colonialism. Do you know what I mean? It's modern day. No, you will stay poor forever because we want to stay in our positions. If Actually, it, you know yeah. what? Look, I saw this from the AFP news agency. I said his name wrong a moment ago, so I do apologize. His name is Patrice Lumumba, who is the Congolese independence leader. So 60 years ago, after the Congolese uh, independence leader Patrice Lumumba was assassinated and dissolved in acid, former colonial power Belgium is to restore his last remains, yeah, a single exactly. tooth yeah. to his family. It is a piss take. I mean, it's, that is yeah. a piss take. I mean, what, what you think you're doing that family a favor, giving his final tooth back to back to, back to them after you've dissolved him in acid? But it's it's a Aaron. Really think about it. Why did they take the tooth? It's symbolic. It's even though it's not admitted, it's to show that we still own you. Do you know what I mean? We still are your 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 lords and your leaders. Because I mean, the, it, the crimes no committed reason. by King Leopold in the Congo. I I I urge anyone who listens to this podcast to go read up on what has happened in the Congo. Yeah, and especially what King Leopold has done and. I want you to then question why you didn't know about it before. For me, it's the worst. Like for me personally, I think that is the worst atrocity that has ever happened on the human. I agree. I I really do. It's what happened there was disgusting, and the 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 knock on effects is going to be for generations to come. Like, I don't know. I mean, the West championing independence leaders who they themselves assassinated and the, the really you know when they say oh independence leader independence from whom mm. from you you know what i mean you they you like to fight for their own independence from you and then you've assassinated them and then you talk about them as if like it was a long time ago it was not like 60 mm. years mm, exactly they, they've dissolved this man in acid and assassinated him uh, 60 years ago it's not it's not that long ago our parents were alive then I my mean, parents <laughs> grew up in Algeria under colonial rule. Can you imagine? People think it's like, oh, it's a long time ago. They grew up until their early teens under French rule. And then from there, there was assassinations and blah, 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 with the French trying to, you know, mold the country post uh, after they got kicked out. This was in the 70s. People don't understand how, like, it was yesterday. It was not uh, 
something that was, you know, in a previous time and now everything's better and perfect. And it's still happening today. I mean, I'll, I'll continue reading the Mali thing. So yeah, there's a, this is an article on the BBC and uh, you can expect it to be a little bit biased, but whatever. Why is Mali so unstable? Uh, it is difficult to enact reforms quickly and the vast landlocked country is poor and large areas are underdeveloped. A coup in 2012 led to militia Islamists exploiting the chaos and seizing the north of the country. That's true. French troops held held uh, and regained territories, <laughs> held, but attacks have continued as insurgents have capitalized on the president's political instability. This has all led to public confidence warning over the army's uh, leader's ability to tackle the insurgency, and that has spilled into the neighboring country, Burkina Faso and Niger. So it all stinks. The whole thing stinks. Um, huge failures. People basically, uh, look, I know it's an Islamist group, but l let's be honest. The people joining them are the local people, right? They're, they're, they really are just people from Mali that have had enough. So you can, I mean, you can label it that way, but I think if we really dig down to it, people have rebelled. They've had enough of the government. The French were involved throughout. So, you know, it's very telling that they want to keep this situation where Mali's poor and Mali's uh, leadership doesn't want to invest in their country. And now, you know, the French have held territory in Mali. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, okay. And then on top of that, it's just the whole thing stinks. The whole thing stinks. And like, yeah. when will when will the world learn to just just keep look after yourselves stop getting involved in countries that you have nothing to do with why are you in mali should it i tell you why should i tell you why they're in mali because the specifically the west well, pretty much every every kind of capitalist nation is run not through their own uh you know economic resources and their own natural resources they are only able to have their power and hold their power mm -hmm. through imperialistic gain from other nations so they are only yeah. able to uphold their own society to the level that they can because they've taken from others. Africa's a gold mine in terms of I natural agree. resources. You think you think any of these countries that have the power that they do today couldn't have had could have had that power had they not stolen the natural resources from Africa? No way. Yeah. It's impossible. They could they don't have the natural resources, they don't have the manpower, they don't have anything required to be as powerful as they are. The fact that the UK is as powerful as it is, despite being a very small island, I mean, is it should show you the extent of the British Empire. This is, this is just the harsh reality of the situation. In order for these capitalist countries to survive, they have to take from other countries. Mm. So if you're asking why, that's the reason why. It's yeah. simple as. And until that is, is done for, then it's going to be the way it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, people ask, you know, why, I mean, Mali, they probably think it's some like shithole country, blah, blah, blah. But in history, Mali has always been the, let's put it this way, like the uh, middle ground between Africa and Europe or North Africa, where trade had to go through Mali. There was no other choice. And because of that, they were, they were actually historically very rich people. Uh, they had a lot of money. Uh, Mansa Musa was from Mali. Uh, he was still I was just going to ask, yeah. Yeah, st still today, when they equivate uh, the amount of money he, he, he made, he was, he's still the richest man in the world. Really put that into, into your mind. Um, you know, he'd visit Cairo and he'd destabilize the economy because he just had so much money and he'd spend so much. So 
Mali is key because of its location geographically. Um, historically, it's shown that, and I'm sure it will come back in the future. Um, but I don't know. Let's see what I happens. I mean, we there. said let's go on a lighter note after the Dominic Cummings thing, and we've just gone into a completely different conversation, which is yeah, yeah, I don't even heavier that. than the first. Um, yeah, one thing to another. But you know, as king of horrible segues, should we do our movie thing and then let, we can move on to the it. bonus episode? Yeah. Okay, so so last week we had obviously given um, the movie Enemy, I think a three point two five rating, um, and then Steve suggested the movie Suspiria. Now I'll be honest, I'm, I'm I had like twenty minutes left. I tried watching the movie four times, uh, and I just couldn't get through it. I will give you this. Okay, you know what? Uh, you 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 explain the movie. You explain why you picked it and so on. But right, so spoiler alert you know switch off if you're going to watch it but um basically it's a horror movie uh based on um it's kind of uh based on the uh split germany uh you know uh when germany was split between the soviet and <clears throat> the capitalist uh, sides and there's this girl from america who wants to become a professional dancer <clears throat> you know like contemporary dancing so she, there's a famous um, academy in the Soviet side, and she goes there. But the underlying tale is that this academy is uh, run by witches, and it's kind of nefarious. Um, it's very creepy. It's very. I found that pretty. I found it pretty scary because there's no jump scares throughout. And however, you are always on edge, and you're always you always feel creeped out. Um, so towards the end, there's a, a sudden rise of events. Um, and it turns out that this this girl is actually she was born to be kind of like a human sacrifice or something along those lines, like the the big queen uh, of witches, and she unleashes the devil or something. But I, I found the cinematography really I really like that kind of era of like Soviet era, you know, dark grey kind of filming. I like horror films that don't have jump scares and just they rely on the story and they rely on the build up rather than you know cheap. Uh, effects so what do you yeah. th- what did you think all right so i think um first thing says i think this is like a remake of another movie same name from like the 70s or something which had very vibrant colors so the the director obviously for this one chose to use more you know as you said like more gray kind of tones i don't know how the movie was received critically um personally look i thought i thought if i didn't have to watch it for the podcast and I was in the mood to watch a horror movie, I think it would be a great movie to watch because, like you said, it's not like cheap jump scares. It reminded me a little bit of the movie Hereditary in that that didn't necessarily have jump scares, but it was just a creepy movie. Um, I thought the scene where the girl who came from America, so played by uh, the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey, I've forgotten her name. But yeah, when she was dancing, I, I guess it was some sort of ritual that was twisting up one of these other members in another room. So if you've watched the movie, obviously, and now you're listening to our review, you'll know which scene I'm talking about. Um, but this girl was getting twisted up into like a weird shape. Yeah. And then afterwards, the witches came in and they put hooks into her and dragged her away. I just I was watching that and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Very, very, yeah. Like you said, it's a creepy movie. It's a very unsettling movie. And also, you know, what? I'll give you a little tidbit. You see the old uh, German doctor in the movie? Mm-hmm. She he's she's he's played by the same act actress that plays uh you know the main the main witch I'll get her name for you mm. but it's the same person but just in in makeup 
Right, right. I didn't so, know that. Because I, I remember looking at him and thinking, there's something off about this guy. Like, clearly they've used, oh yeah, they, clearly they've used uh, some sort of makeup on this guy. But wh- why did they do that? So Tilda Swinton, who plays Helena Marcos in the movie, which is like the main head head witch for the academy, mm. she also plays the Doctor. So you know that's a little tidbit, little little. Wow, something I, I actually movie. did not know that. I did yeah, not notice you, that at all. If you didn't notice it, then you know. There you are. And Dakota Johnson plays Susie Banyan, so the girl who's moved there. But yeah, like I, like I said, I thought it had very creepy moments. The issue mm. was I just wasn't in the mood to watch it. And I think that you know, I, I got through three quarters of it. I, I don't think that's a slight on the movie. I just think I wasn't in the right mind frame to watch it. It was a bit too creepy, and I just wasn't in the mood for a creepy movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought actually it was a pretty... Pretty right. interesting concept and everything, yeah. All right, let's get down to ratings. So for me... I personally think this is like top out of all the horror films I've ever watched. I say this is top two. Um, so I, if it's top two for me, I have to give it something above four. Um, I'm going to give it, I say 4.5 for me. You know what? I'm going to give it a 3.5. So we 3. can meet 5. in the middle right. and give it a four. All right. Yeah. So, so, so far that's the highest rating we've got. That's the highest rating we've got. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not too bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Right, for four, four for Suspiria. Um, so go watch it. We we advise you. And obviously, our ratings are superb, better than Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, but I guess for next week, Aaron, it's your suggestion. So, what do you suggest? Uh, so there's a movie called uh, Super. It's a 2010 movie with Rain Wilson. Um, who you might know him as uh, Dwight Schrute from The Office. Um, so yeah, I would suggest uh, that movie. So super, you can go watch that, um, and we'll give it a little little review. Um, I, I personally enjoyed that movie when I first watched it, but I need to rewatch it as well. So yeah, next movie, next week we'll discuss that. Uh, and thank you for listening to this episode. We're gonna jump over to our Patreon episode, which is gonna be a bonus episode. If you wanna listen to it, then obviously follow the URL VR Pod, and uh, yeah, any of the proceeds from our Patreon obviously goes to Solace Women's Aid, which helps out women who have been in uh, abusive situations. Uh, wonderful charity that does wonderful work. You can always find um, their website to donate directly if you wish in our link uh, on our on our bio in Instagram or on Twitter. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we're just going to jump over to the bonus episode. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? You. That was bloody brilliant.